1: It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAlees, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese.
2: Good morning, and welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here, we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans. Plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Flow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where Securities and Investment Advisory Services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and CIVIC, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. The fall weather has been unbelievable. A lot of nice, dry, crisp days and cool nights, except for a few wet ones like this morning. But I just saw the sun peek out, so I think you might have some sunlight today, too, rather than the rain. It's wonderful to find the time to work outside, and it's great working in this uh, weather once it's clear and crisp. Uh, outside, you have the opportunity to enjoy Mother Nature and basically see the seasons change with the bright uh, foliage changes. Although, you know, for some reason, I haven't seen those bright yellows and oranges like in previous years. But maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Maybe I'll have to be more patient. And as we work outside, we can also spot those things that... Uh, that basically have to be done before winter and add them to the list. And speaking about <clears throat> uh, admiring the leaves and how they change color, we'll also get our exercise raking up those very same leaves. And one of the chores this weekend uh, should be to look for the outdoor Halloween decorations. You know, Halloween is still two weeks away, so we do have the time, but if you're like me, the decorations It could be in the basement. It could be in the garage or the barn. Uh, The best we can hope for is that we may have clearly marked the boxes and the bags uh, of Halloween decorations, but I wouldn't bet my life on it. So we'll start looking and see what we can find, and maybe uh, sometime this weekend we can find a time to check on how political and uh, global events are impacting our Mm investment. This week... Global equities were basically up for the week with a few exceptions. Uh, the U.S., the uh, three major equity indices ended up for the week. In the U.K. and the in the Euros, uh, U- European Union, uh, the stock of uh, uh, Europe 600 and the FTSE 100 and the DAC uh, equity indices were all up. Asia was mixed with uh, Japan's Nikkei and Hong Kong's Hang uh, Seng up for the week, but China's uh, Shanghai Composite was down. On Friday, the major U.S. equities index indices closed at the Dow Jones closed at thirty five thousand two hundred ninety four point seven six, and that was up one point six percent for the week. And the Standard and Poor five hundred closed at four thousand four hundred seventy one point three seven. And that was up 1.8 percent for the week, and the Nasdaq 14 closed at 14,897.34, so it was up 2.2 percent for the week. And uh, this week, uh, the third quarter earnings began to appear, and and at the same time, all was quiet in Washington, which had been a source of a lot of volatility recently. And as expected. <clears throat> This week in Washington, the House of Representatives voted along party lines to raise the U.S. borrowing limits by $480 billion, or basically enough to avoid a U.S. government default until December 3rd. So they kicked the can down the road, or maybe even longer, maybe it depends upon how long they can stretch the $480 billion, uh, the bill was passed in the Senate on Friday a week ago, and uh, the House and uh, House passed it on Tuesday, uh, and was signed by the president. So that's one of the four things that the uh, Congress had on its plate. One was funding the government for the next uh, fiscal year, and that was done about a week ago. And now they're finally uh, increasing the uh, national debt ceiling. Uh, so they could sell more bonds. and now they still have those two other big issues on the table, and that is the three point five uh, build back 3 point5 trillion build back better plan and the one trillion dollar infrastructure plan. So uh, they'll be wrestling around with that the next month. So uh, this week, as I said before, was the beginning of the third quarter earnings season and it was led off by the big new york banks and they were the first to report and so far investors like what they see uh, according to the wall street journal of the 35 companies on the standard and poor 500 that had uh, reported earnings up to up through thursday 80% uh, had beaten the a- a- analysts to forecast uh, according to faxnet now investors Uh, Investors are very concerned about how the company earnings have weathered through these headwinds. You know, uh, one of the headwinds is basically uh, supply chain blockages, Um, uh, you know, with with the stimulus, uh, the $10 trillion stimulus, six from the federal government and four from the Federal Reserve, Uh, this economy uh, recovery basically overwhelmed the demand for the recovery, overwhelmed the supply. And so we've got all sorts of uh, blockages in the supply chains, everywhere from blockages in the factories to uh, shipping, to any type of shipping you want to talk about. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the thing that characterizes the whole uh, uh, supply chain fiasco is uh, you want this wedding and 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 basically uh we can't give it to you uh we can only give you half of what you ordered and we're going to increase the price so now that's what this this whole supply chain blockage amounts to they don't even they're not even sure whether they'll have uh enough goods for christmas so uh, the idea is to get your christmas shopping done early and of course the uh Excuse me a second. And, of course, the uh, uh, the COVID, the uh, Delta variant, has also caused a lot of problems with the supply chain blockages because of absenteeism and work and things of this nature. So that's one aspect that's going to uh, bedevil the uh, uh, companies. Another one is the inflation. Uh, All of this... uh, Blockages uh, presents an opportunity for the suppliers to uh, bump up the prices and it uh, uh, just go to, just like I mentioned before, I can't give you all you ordered. I can only give you part of it, but I do know that I'm going to increase my price by 5 or 10%. So uh, you also have inflation from the energy uh, sources. You know, like oil and gas and things of this nature, which, uh, because of the, uh, you know, because of the global recovery, uh, has increased those prices. I think uh, uh, WTI oil is, is going for something like eighty-two dollars a barrel. Uh, and then you also have the other problem is the rising wages. In other words, there's a a lack of workers and uh it could be due to um fear of the COVID, the uh, Delta variant. It could be due to, hey, I've gotta someone's gotta stay home and take care of the youngsters. Uh the schools are in. Most schools are, are you know are in place. Uh but there's a lot of uh child care centers that uh um, that they're employed employment was way down, and they're going to have difficulty uh, getting staffed up, so people are staying home taking care of the kids, not as much as last year, but it's still there, and uh, uh, you also have uh, people moving around in terms of uh, jobs, in other words, one of the things we're going to talk about this week is is the JOLTS report, and in the JOLTS report, you're going to see something like there's... 10 million um, open positions available and uh, uh, more than enough for the number of unemployed. But, you know, there isn't an exact match there because of the skill uh, required for some of those jobs. But then you you basically don't have enough people, uh, particularly in the low-paying uh, jobs. And uh, that's causing wages to go up, too. So... You got uh, investors are looking at the earnings from the viewpoint of, well, uh, how much did uh, uh, this uh, supply chain uh, uh, blockage uh, slow you down? How much is inflation slowing you down? How about the workers? Do you have enough workers? All these things indicate probably that the earnings per share, uh, according to JP Morgan, will probably go up. Uh, you know maybe like twenty seven to thirty percent versus last year, but they they might be down about five to seven percent from the uh uh second quarter so I'm talking about the third quarter results, which aren't in yet, and these are just uh, uh estimates and projections so basically what you're seeing is the game plan is that the companies and consumers are continuing to buy goods and services, you know, and basically with the hope in the, in terms of the company, they're the buying and producing with the hope that, uh, uh, passing on the cost increases to the, uh, uh, to the final user. And basically, uh, that's the only choice you have. You can either, uh, pay what's required or, or what's demanded by your supplier, or you can, uh, uh, you know, you'll, and pass it on to the, uh, to the, uh, uh final user, or uh, maybe you'll buy it and, and it'll cut into your profit margin, but some profits better than nothing at all. So, uh, this week, we will talk about the inflation look, outlook, and basically what we're seeing at the consumer level, the, uh, they announced this, the consumer price index this week. And as for a basket of goods that we use every day. And according to the report from the, uh, the Department of Labor, the September uh, Consumer Price Index increased four-tenths of 1% uh, for the month of uh, September. And uh, if I look back over the last 12 months, it increased 5.4%, which is a pretty hefty number particularly when we're used to seeing inflation uh, over the last 10 years, you know, ever since the financial crisis, the inflation has been bouncing around anywhere from one and a half to two. So now we're looking at 5.4. The Federal Reserve says that uh, it's temporary and it's due to uh, the uh, supply chain uh, crisis and things of this nature. Which we should be over by uh, the early part of next year, but it's still a lot of, it's still, still a pretty high number, 5.4 percent over the last 12 months. Now, if I take out uh, food and fuel, uh, which are one of the biggest uh, increases in, in that consumer price index, what you're going to see is the core uh, CPI came in at two tenths of a percent. Um, in the month of September, and four uh, percent over the last uh, 12 months. So later in the show, we'll get into the details of what's going up the fastest and and uh, why. And basically, the 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 takeaway is that uh, inflation is real as far as us consumers are concerned uh we see it in gasoline we see it in uh food prices uh, uh just about you know it is the recovery and we see prices going up and and uh since we're getting out of this uh lock up of the covid we're not as not as uh we're we're more um complacent about the inflation Maybe after several more months of this, we'll really begin to feel the pain. And if you take a look then at the up the supply chain and take a look at the producers, uh, from their viewpoint, we have the producer's price index, which is even worse than the consumer price index. According to the report this week, September uh, producer price index uh, increased five-tenths of 1%, uh, for September and increased 8.6% uh, for the 12 months ending in September. Now, if you take out certain things that they consider to get them down to the core uh, principal price increase, those numbers go down to an increase of two-tenths of a percent per month and 6.8% over that 12-month period. So you're still looking at fairly high numbers. In the case of the consumer price index, you were looking at numbers uh, over the last 12 months that uh, uh, you took out the the uh, let's stick let's stick with the consumer price index. Let's not worry about the core consumer price index. The consumer price index in September over the last 12 months stood at 5.4. The producer price index over the last 12 months. In September stood at 8.6 percent, and if you're looking for some relief uh, from the inflation, let's take a look at imported goods. Uh, they're supposedly made in with cheaper labor, and they're supposed to be uh, cheaper than the U.S. made products. So let's take a look at what happened in imported good products, imported good prices in uh, September they went up four-tenths of 1% in the month of September and 9.2% over the last 12 months. Well, so basically, if you take a look at the inflation numbers, and we'll get into those numbers later, but there's no good news there. Uh, the only good news that you could uh, possibly grasp is that uh, the uh, hopefully this is temporary, although we all know that uh, we've been enjoying these uh, inflation over the last ten years that have been around one and a half, maybe or percent or something like that. Now we're going up to five point four percent, and then when it's all when they untangle all these uh, supply chains, we'll probably get down to something around two and a half to three percent, and that's the what the Federal Reserve is looking at in the future. So, one good news with regard to uh, inflation is that uh, the senior citizens will be receiving their their new uh, Social Security benefits, and seniors and other Americans receiving Social Security benefits in 2022 will see the largest increase in their payments in 40 years, and that's reflecting uh, surging inflation during the pandemic. So. Next year's cost of living adjustment, or COLA, will be 5.9%. So the Social Security Administration announced that on Wednesday. Uh, The increase will translate into, if you're talking about averages, into an additional $92 uh, per month. Uh, And uh, the the average amount uh, will be brought up to... uh, monthly benefit to 1657 And the, uh, the nearly 6% cost of living adjustment is the largest since 1982. And uh, that's according to the Social Security Administration. So they may base that upon the, uh, the CPI numbers. And, uh, but with the sunshine, uh, after the sunshine, you get a little bit of rain So the Social Security Administration also announced that the maximum amount of earnings subject to Social Security tax will go up to $147,000 per year in 2022 from $142,800, which is the maximum uh, uh, income that's taxed on Social Security this year. So, and... Uh, Medicare's trustees in August projected the uh, standard uh, 2022 monthly premium for Medicare, Part B, uh, which covers doctor's, this, and other types of outpatient care, will increase by $10 or to it'll go from $148.50 per month to $158.50 uh, per month. And uh, that'll take a little bite out of that increase in social security benefits. So basically all in all, if you're taking a look at what's going on in uh, the economy, uh, what pl- prices are going up, and uh, uh, the Department of, uh, uh, Department of Labor Reported in their consumer price index for September, uh, the, the uh, consumer price index, which measures uh, consumer what consumers pay for goods and services, rose four tenths of a percent in September from August, and uh, but that's down from uh, the nine tenths of one percent that they recorded in June. So. On an annual basis, this consumer price index went up 5.4% in September. And if you take a look and say, okay, how does that compare to August numbers? Well, August numbers, it only went up uh, one cent of the percent and 5.3% for the 12-month period. So what you're seeing is if you take a look at the July consumer price index and the August and the September is that uh, that 12-month period of uh, the 12-month period for the CPI has pretty much stayed at around 54 and 5.3% for so basically the last three months anyhow. So it's not like it's, you know, tremendously going up, but it is certainly going up and so certainly is something that's going to impact us. And uh, we just... Made... Excuse me, just a second here. Uh, the demand is is uh, something that we're going to have to deal with. Hopefully uh, <clears throat> the uh, Federal Reserve does have a plan and that plan, we'll get into that later in the show, too. Basically, that plan says that they're going to start to increase the uh, <clears throat> the uh, interest rates. And uh, along with this uh, increase in inflation, the U.S. Energy Information Administration uh, also predicted that the cost to heat our homes is going up this winter, depending upon how you heat your house. Uh, If you heat your house with uh, heating oil, expect your heating bills to go up 43%. If you use natural gas, expect an increase of 30% over uh, last year. If you use electricity, uh, expect a 6% increase over last year. And if you use propane, uh, expect a 54%. Increase in your heating bills uh, this heating season. So, uh, what you're seeing is that uh, prices are going up. And uh, one of the things that we take a look at in terms of uh, the big picture is what is happening to uh, the economy and what is happening to our investments. Hopefully, as we get through this third quarter, uh, J.P. Morgan's uh, uh, prediction of, uh, of the, uh, <clears throat> uh, the uh, uh, earnings per share will go up that uh, 30% over a year ago. But uh, uh, we'll see. It's going to be tough, tough uh, sailing, again, in terms of getting through the inflation. As well as the uh, supply chain blockages, so uh, how does that reflect on basically our uh, call it our uh, micro planning uh, financial planning aspect and basically what we have to do is uh, take a look at our uh, income and say what can we reduce, or what can we possibly uh, do to uh, to cut back on those things that are most expensive to be able to keep up our, uh, our standard of living and get through this thing. Uh, this thing is going to be temporary. Uh, but in by temporary, I mean, uh, maybe the, uh, first quarter, second quarter of next year, which is basically half a year away. So it's not all that temporary. And, uh, what we have to do is pay attention to our financial plans and make sure that uh, we keep up our savings and our uh, investing in order to be able to get to the other side of this. So, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, give us a call with your comments and concerns. It, the toll-free number here is 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. So uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back after a word from our sponsors.
1: Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets... With the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow.
2: Welcome back to Get Rich clothes. It's is your host this morning, Good mackerel. and the sun is shining over here. So maybe the maybe the rains at past here. So, uh,
1: hi Jim. It's yes. it's Colleen, and you are right. The rain kind of cleared up, and the sun is kind of yes. trying to come out over here. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good day after all. This has been this has been a great fall, I'll tell you. Oh. What. What so, a there the, we are in the middle of October, and i haven't seen i haven't seen a frost yet over my place. No, so.
1: we haven't either, so it's it's been a beautiful <laughs> fall. We're so lucky so but we have a caller um Diane gave us a call, and she wants to know if she claims social security retirement <laughs> benefits at sixty two um is she an, able to enroll in Medicare at that time as well?
2: No. Oh, uh, generally speaking, no. But uh, uh, there are certain instances and certain circumstances uh, where you can uh, uh, apply for Medicare at age 62. But there's generally, a lot of this, if, if, for instance, if you've been on your uh, uh, disability insurance, your Social Security disability insurance, if you've been on it for a couple of years, uh, then you can be then you can move to Medicare. Age 62, and uh, and there was other things on that uh, uh, that are associated with the disability, like uh, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, and uh, um, if you suffer from end-stage renal uh, disease, and things of this nature. But otherwise, uh, your initial uh, enrollment to, to Medicare begins three months before your 60th, uh, 65th. Birthday. So, uh, if you're already receiving Social Security benefits when you're turning uh, 65, then the uh, Social Security Administration, which handles the uh, you know, Medicare enrollment, will send you a information package in your Medicare card. Uh, well, this is this is basically for the people who are. Basically 65, and you'll be, uh, uh, um, you'll be in, uh, you get the information from the Social Security Administration. Those people that are on disability, uh, they'll be automatically enrolled in, in Medicare Part A hospitalization and in the month that uh, they get onto that Medicare program. Uh, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're thinking about, uh, uh you know basically the answer to Diane's question is it no, you have to basically wait till sixty five and then basically apply uh for uh uh benefits uh three months beforehand. And it's important to get it get get it done two or three months beforehand so that you can get the coverage. Uh, when you actually uh, turn 65. Otherwise, if you wait till you're 65, then there'll be another couple of months before you actually get covered under uh, the Medicare. So uh, getting on Social Security at age 62, you've got to be in, in uh, under disability. So thank you very much for the call, Diane, and uh, give us a call. Uh, the number here is 1 888 two eight one eleven ten. Now let's go on and talk about, you know, uh what are we seeing in this consumer uh price index and, and uh, uh the consumer price index looks at food, energy, uh all the items you need, apparel, uh, clothing, new vehicles, used uh, automobiles, medical uh services and things of this nature and transportation services. What you find out is that, hey, over the last 12 months, these numbers have gone up by 5.4%. And and, uh, uh, like food, food is approximately 14% of that basket. And that's gone up, uh, (coughs) excuse me, That's gone up 4.6%. Another thing, if you take a look in terms of food, you'll see that uh, uh, fish, uh, meats, and poultry, and things of this nature, that's gone up 10.5%. If you take a look at gasoline, that's gone up 42% over the last 12 months. If you take a look at uh, natural gas, natural gas has gone up 21% over the last uh, 12 months. So uh, what you're seeing, too, is that uh, the uh, high, high price of housing is also coming into the mix. Uh, the home prices have gone up. So basically what you're seeing is that uh, rents are going up, and uh, that's, that's coming into your uh, consumer price index, too. <laughs> so this is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. sell air and uh what i need is a uh, cough drop so you know we're just taking a look at what's ha- what's happening in the, uh, the economy and we're basically seeing that the economy is in reasonable shape considering what we talked about in terms of inflation and all the rest of it but uh retail sales uh a surprise to the upside that uh, consumers ready to buy in spite of the uh, in spite of this Delta variant. So uh, the sales for
1: <clears throat> my
2: cough drop is not working as fast as I thought it was. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so what we're seeing is that uh, September sales retail sales increased seven-tenths of 1% from August to $625.4 billion in uh, August from in September. And uh, the uh, consumers shrugged off the uh, supply constraints. And uh, uh, even though the supply constraints are are really hurting appliance sales and and things of this nature, uh, the rise in the uh, sales partly reflects high consumer prices, which, for the according to the uh, CPI data, increased four tenths of a percent in September from August and five point four percent from the year earlier. But retail sales incre- increased thirteen point nine percent from a year ago. So even auto and parts were up, uh, even though auto production was down due to the chip shortage they're still they're selling fewer orders but at a higher prices spending in restaurants and bars was up three-tenths of a percent in september indicating that consumers are, are less afraid let's put it this way less afraid of the covid and uh, they're going out and uh, becoming more normal again and the uh, uh, for instance, things are, steps are being taken to uh, clear up these uh, supply chain blockages. For instance, the uh, uh, ports at uh, the uh, uh, Los Angeles Marine Cargo Centers at San Pedro and Long Beach, uh, their operations have stepped up from 12 hours a day to 24 hours a day and seven days a week. Uh, that was just announced uh, about a week ago, but uh, things like those uh, stepping up from uh, stepping up to twenty four hours a day, seven days a week is a big step, and that should clear a bit, a, a lot of the backlog of the fifty ships waiting out off the port uh, to unload so. Uh, that will probably take a couple weeks just to implement. And the economists at the Department of Commerce uh, <clears throat> uh, estimate that the households are sitting on roughly $1.6 trillion in savings, uh, representing the 9.4% of their disposable income. <clears throat> so the consumers still have a lot of buying power, and also salaries are going up. So what you're seeing is that the, uh, according to the, uh, the bond of labor, salaries went up uh, 4.6% uh, through September uh, from a year ago. And if you take a look at what's happening in terms of uh, retail sales, uh, they went up 7 tenths of a percent in September, and that represents an increase of almost 14% from a year ago. Motor vehicles were up close to 8% from a year ago. Uh, Furniture was up uh, 13%. Uh, Appliances and electronics were up uh, 17% from a year ago. Uh, Food and beverages were up 7%. So gasoline uh, stations, uh, sales in gasoline stations were up 38%. So that gives you an idea of the impact of the uh, uh, gasoline prices, and clothing and accessories were up uh, 22% from a year ago, and food services and drinking prices were up uh, uh, 29%. So if you take a look at where the economy is right now in terms of uh, people spending, I think it's becoming a lot more normal uh, than... Uh, we would have thought that uh, it would have been, uh, you know, even 2 let's say, when this uh, COVID uh, Delta uh, appeared in the early part of uh, July. So what we're seeing is that uh, the economy is coming back. It's got problems, but it's overcoming the problems. Uh, One of the places we look and say, hey, uh, what is the, situation look like in terms of labor, uh, labor seems to be, yeah, seems to be having some problems in terms of, uh, finding people, uh, the, uh, uh, independent business, uh, National Federation of Independent Businesses basically says that 40, 46% of their, of, uh, their members, uh, can't find the, uh, workers that they need. So, uh, even though they're, they're increasing the wages, so but if we look in terms of saying hey, what kind of uh, uh, what kind of open positions are there out there? Uh, according to the Department of Labor, on the last day of August, the number of open positions was uh, 11 billion uh, uh, 98 thousand. So. And basically, what you're seeing is that uh well uh, the, the uh, there's a lot more open positions than there are uh, people unemployed and uh what what's showing up is that uh, uh, the uh number of hires uh for instance the number of hires in uh august uh during the month of August was six million. 322 versus in the month of July the $676 uh, million and uh, well 676761000 761,000 and uh, the number of quits uh, people uh, quitting uh, stood at uh, 4270000 270,000 so What's happening is that people realize that they can get a better job somewhere else, and the people that are going back to work are constantly looking uh for uh better employment and uh I think that's particularly true in the uh the lower uh, wage group where the uh working conditions uh are uh, not as as uh the working conditions are something to be something something to be improved on, put it mildly. So, what you're seeing is that there's a tremendous number of jobs out there, and the the uh, people uh, are moving around. You have something like four million people uh, moving any one month of the year from one job to another job. So, these uh, 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 job the job picture uh, is uh, one where the economy is improving the demand is there uh, companies are trying to get, do their darndest to get the people and uh, it's another thing that will just work through as time goes on so this is Jim McAleese you're listening to Get Rich Slow stay tuned I'll be right back <laughs> Welcome back to Get This Flow. This is your, your uh, uh, financial advisor, Jim McAleese. Let me talk about what you think, uh, what I think uh, the uh, Federal Reserve is going to do about interest rates in the future. Uh, this uh, week, they, re- they released the minutes of the Federal Reserve meeting on September 21st and 22nd. And according to those minutes, uh, the, the uh, Federal Open Market Committee discussed tapering their bond purchases. You know, right now they're purchasing $80 billion a month in Treasury bonds and $40 billion a month in mortgage-backed securities from Fannie and Freddie. And uh, I'll give you some quotes out of the report. uh um, Uh, participants also expressed their views on how slowing in the pace of purchases might proceed. So they're talking about they're they're buying $120 billion and now they're gonna start to decrease it. In particular, uh, participants uh, commented on the plan uh, developed by the staff and reflecting the uh, participants' discussions fast featured monthly reductions in the face of asset purchases by 10 billion dollars a month in treasury securities and five billion dollars a month in the case of agency mortgage-backed securities so they're going to paper that they haven't they haven't formally announced it yet the expectations are that they're going to announce it at the November uh, federal open Market Committee. Meeting that'll be the early part of November. Uh, no discussion. No discussion to proceed with moderation of asset purchases made at the meeting, but participants generally assess that provided that the economic recovery may end broadly on track, a gradual tapering process that concluded around the middle of next year would likely be appropriate. Our participants noted that if a decision to begin tapering purchases occurred in the next meeting, the process of tapering would commence with a monthly purchase calendar beginning either in mid-November or mid-December. So what you're looking at is they're talking about the tapering process, and if the uh, Federal Reserve reduces their bond purchases at, uh, from $120 billion uh, to zero by the middle of next year. Uh, that will basically what that will do is what they call steepen the yield curve. In other words, if you visualize a curve that <clears throat> plots interest against uh, bond maturity, where it kind of sweeps up to the uh, to the right and goes higher with a longer maturity, then you'll see that uh, what they're going to do is keep that yield curve anchored at zero for short duration uh, for overnight uh, borrowing. And your 10-year and your 20-year and your 30-year bonds are going to uh, move up. They'll still be anchored at the short end, but the, uh, the longer maturities will begin to drift upward. And one reason for that is that there'll be less... Uh, uh, demand for bonds. So right now, they're they're uh, buying bonds at $120 billion a month. And uh, let's say uh, the middle of next year, uh, that'll uh, taper down to zero. So that's less demand for those bonds. What you're going to see is the price of those bonds is going to go down and
1: and the yield
2: is going to go up. So the yield curve is going to steepen. But it'll still be anchored at uh, the Fed funds rate for overnight borrowing at uh, zero, uh, basically at zero to one quarter of a percent, basically zero. Uh, after that, they'll sit down and they'll start talking about, okay, <clears throat> let's uh, start moving up the federal funds rate. In other words, let's remove that zero uh, percent. Uh, up to a higher number, and they'll do that gradually. And they might move it in uh, a quarter of a percent uh, increases. And uh, what you're going to see then is that uh, the yield curve, the whole yield curve will begin to move up. And so maybe after they get the tapering done in in mid-2022, maybe they'll wait about six months uh, after uh, they get down to a zero taper, and then start to move up that federal funds rate, and from the scatter uh, from the meeting in September, they put together uh, the estimates of uh, from the participants of what they thought the uh, the uh, uh, federal funds the the, uh, the federal funds rate should be in the future. And if you take a look, and it, is, it looks like a shotgun pattern, but the eyeball, I mean, what you're seeing is that in 2022, uh, the federal rate will, will probably end up at three-tenths uh, of 1%. That means that all your interest rates will have a three-tenths percent increase in them. And then in 2023, It'll end up an additional 1%. And then in 2024, they're going to move the federal funds rates up to 1.8%. And then in the longer run, which I presume is about five years out, they're talking about the federal funds rate being at uh, uh, 2.5%. So if that would be the case, your 10 year Treasury right now. Is about 1.8 percent. So, uh, let's say it goes up to 2 percent with the uh, tapering, and at that point, uh, after they begin to move up the uh, uh, the Fed funds rate, then then you'll be looking at uh, basically four and a half percent for a 10 year Treasury. So, uh, the the Federal Reserve is concerned about those inflation rates. And uh, even though they say they're, they're uh, temporary, uh, they don't want them to stay around too long to fear that they will become permanent. So uh, the interest rates are going to go up. It's just going to be a matter of, uh, you know, that schedule that I just laid out. And that's just an estimate. There's no... Uh, there are no guarantees there. Uh, another aspect of what we're seeing here is that we generally look at the uh, consumer sentiment from the University of Michigan, and uh, it's been in the dog for the last uh, three months. You know, you figure with uh, all this recovery and things of this nature, so it would improve, but it hasn't. And uh, uh, comments from the... Uh, uh, Chief economist Richard Thurton, he indicates that uh, uh, he he mentions that the uh, consumer sentiment remains for the past three months at the low first reported in uh, last year's shutdown of the economy. The Delta variant, supply chain shortages, and reduced labor. Uh, participation rates continue to dim the pace of consumer spending into 2022. And there's another less tangible factor that has contributed to the slump in optimism and confidence in government economic policy has significantly declined over the past six months. Uh, and uh, to me, uh, the the rest of the uh, comments in terms of the survey of consumer confidence is that they uh, uh consumers are concerned about the uh, what's going on in in uh, Washington you remember even talking about that for a couple weeks now in terms of how they're going to uh fund the government now and how they're going to raise things so uh, people are becoming concerned about these things. This is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. <music> Welcome back to Get this Flow. I was browsing around on the Internet and saw a title that piqued my curiosity. It was a simple formula for living. Well, I looked at it and... Uh, uh, it reads like any list, but as we go down the list, you can add your own comments based upon your own experience. It reads something like this. Uh, live beneath your means. Well, we all know what that means. If you don't, if you live beyond your means, you don't have any assets and all you have is debts. And uh, that's not the way to live. Uh, return everything you borrow. That's another item. And we know that's true because if you don't return what you borrowed, you'll never borrow that from that same person again. Uh, stop blaming other people and accept the responsibility. Those are things that we know, uh, we have to live with. Admit it when you make a mistake. I mean, that's, that's a very difficult thing to do, but hey, you have to do that in order to make progress. Uh, you only, And you see positive thoughts create positive things. And also one of the things is you learn from the past and you plan for the future and you live in the present. So those those are things we can live by. And don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. There's always, always, always something to be thankful for. So what you have to do is live life live life according to your plan, Uh, really concentrate on your goals, and uh, basically uh, enjoy yourself until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Low, and may God protect you and keep you safe.
1: You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440 647 Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and CIPIC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.,